two wizards. Two wizards? Two wizards. Two wizards. A little bit here, but you know, what are, what's in our wizard's cup? It's PBR. It's always going to be PBR. From here on in, it's PBR, right? PBR is expensive. Yep. Josh, it's not, but it is because, like, when you do... Yeah. I'm doing four podcasts a week at this point. Um, <laughs> and each one of those is four. Or so, like, you know, each one of those is, like, four beers. Um, mm-hmm. And so all that is to say, it adds up real quick, right? But so I did yeah. some math things. Number one, you have um, W, which is our wizard's constant. That is the four beers that you need to drink to make it be a good episode. Two in act one, two in act two. It all comes together. Any more than that, we get sloppy. Any less than that, we're like low energy, yeah. right? So then what's yeah. the most cost effective? Well, a 30 at Walmart, a PBR, is something to the tune of about 20 bucks, give or take. Um, at the liquor store, it's like 25. Don't ask me how. 18 pack at Walmart is uh, about 16 bucks, give or take. Same thing with the liquor store. But, but, but they were all of them deceived. For at discount liquor in the back, they have 40s of PBR, which clock in at a whopping oh. 250. So, all that Whoa, is to say go. W equal 40 question mark because you are losing 16 ounces total of beer per episode. But however, it's a 40, okay, I'm like, like it, it's divisible by yeah. quarter. Like, do you know what I mean? Like 10 ounces. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like get two forties, start the one and then finish it next week. I don't know. But my point is my name is Mark mm-hmm. and I'm yeah. here to save you money by saying, drink your PBR out of forties. Forties. <laughs> I mean, l- look, you know, times, times are tough. Mm-hmm. Times are hard right now. Um, I, I think there's some sign that the economy is like bouncing back. Um, so yeah, what better way than to like just go hog wild with? I mean, even now I'm thinking like, okay, I could like boot up a spreadsheet and like <laughs> do some conditional formatting and do the different colors for like yeah, screw it. Maybe once I get through this thirty rack, maybe I'll have to. I mean, surely they have PBR forties here. I mean, come on, come yeah, on. yeah, um, surely. But uh, but yes, also that is all to say. Yes, welcome to the Two Wizards Podcast, uh, and my name is Josh, and I'm a wizard, <laughs> and we are continuing. We had a lot of fun um, uh, uh, loosening our robes, talking about anime. Uh, I am I finished Blue Eye Samurai, because it was only the one season and eight episodes so far, but they got picked up for a second. Nice. Um, also, a good sign. This is a good sign for me, uh, doing a little more looking at like the creators, and they were saying, like, nope, we're going to do... Three, maybe four seasons. That's when the story wraps up. And then, you know, depending on afterwards, we have ideas for maybe like sequels or like follow-ups. But then it's not going to be like a one-piece thing. (laughs) (laughs) It will end Um, at some point. Yeah, it will end at some point. They're doing it the right way. So, uh, uh, but yeah, but so yeah, it'll be nice to be back and doing a little more wizardy thing, having a little more structure, uh, having a little more of this, like you already mentioned, Delicious PBR. So here's on you, buddy. Cheers, good buddy. There it is. Yep, PBR. <laughs> it just does, man. I just, you know, the simple things in life. Um, just, just having an appreciation for like I can drink this all day and be up and be okay. <laughs> At this point, I'm up to 16 PBRs in a week, and I don't want them anymore. 
Oh yeah, and she, <laughs> that's just it though. Like between you, four shows, are, I'm just like, all right, maybe Mark can drink coffee. And nobody deeply. needs to know. Do we like tea? Is water an option? I'm like, no. We we tried. Well, we tried this too. You know, like when Johnny had gone to Germany, and we are still recording on America time. It's irresponsible mm-hmm. for me to get up at six or four in the morning, and you know, drink a bunch of beer, right? But right. He was drinking beer, and you could tell, so then I had to start drinking beer to balance it out, man, because, you know, all things in balance, right? Nothing too yeah. extremes, yeah. and uh, I'm, a, I'm a victim of my own art, I guess, is my point. <laughs> right, yeah. The thing, you're right. A true artist suffers for his work, and I'm pretty sure by now your blood type is PBR positive. <laughs> That's for the courts to decide. That's where the courts do Oh, God. Um, so, yes. But we are convened once more. And, uh, Mark, you have an episode prepped. You have a script ready. I have no idea what it is. So I'm I'm, I'm, I'm waiting with bated uh, breath, with anticipation, to see just what this thing's going to be about. Right on, man. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, Josh. Times are weird. Um, now more than ever, which it's now yes. been more than ever for four years now. But we yeah. are... You know, uncertainty is around every corner. There's still a mystery plague that haunts the halls of society. Um, this year is the second two Wizards presidential election. Yeah, buddy. That's going to be weird. And it already looks like it's going to be a reboot, and I can't wait. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> we were just talking about, before we were recording, we were talking about, as we've mentioned before, the last four years kind of being a blur but I, but not so much of a blur that we have the same two presidential candidates, please. Yeah, could it, could it not like? <laughs> could we not? <laughs> um, I also don't know about you. This time of the year, uh, spring has not sprung, and winter is still here because it's only the end of January when we're recording this. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting cagey, and I kind of get depressed, and I start asking myself like some hard questions. But the hardest one is, am I ready for some football? Because, Josh, the Super Bowl is next Sunday. And it's between whoever and whoever. And I don't really care because the Packers aren't in it. What I do know is that between politics and sports fans and the world just kind of collectively feeling like it's getting worse and worse, I want to take a beat and remind myself and the listeners and you too that it can get so much worse. And before I start, Josh, when I say horrible sports fans, what comes to mind? Oh man, we were talking about this. Uh, who was? Yeah, a couple of friends were just talking about this a little bit ago. I mean, here's my classic middle child. Every sport can have horrible fans. I don't know if there's like necessarily one that is just like completely un- unbearable. Uh, except for maybe like cricket. I don't know. But then again, who knows? Maybe there's some crazy cricket fans <laughs> that just, you know, set fire to things. And uh, but yeah, I don't know. Um, Oh, man, crazy sports. I, I guess I'm going to have to say, like, you, you talked about the Super Bowl. I mean, American football fans, they can get pretty they can get pretty gross. Mm-hmm. Um, well, okay, so, like, I guess just kind of toxic story. So, like, I was, I don't know, fourth or fifth grade, something like that. Um, and it was one of the few times the, the family drove up from little old Alamosa, Colorado, uh, to Denver uh, to um, uh, Mile High Stadium and watch the Bronco game. And we were in the south side, and that's where all the rowdy fans were. And um, we, our seats just so happened to be right in front of a bunch of drunk guys. Mm-hmm. And, and this was a thing, maybe, we didn't know, but apparently this is a thing, that this little group of fans, uh, whenever the Broncos scored a touchdown, 
You know, they, they would play the da 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 hey da 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 like that. Uh huh. And then when it and then when it kind of got down, these like drunk dudes would add their own call, chorus and say, "Fuck them up, fuck them up, go Broncos!" <laughs> oh boy, okay. In front of this family, so I was like fourth grade. Jake was six. Um, our sister was I don't know like three. <laughs> Jesus. And yeah, and so that was just that was not fun. They made it not fun. I guess that, that's that's maybe the mark of a true. Or the sign of a true horrible sports fan is they make it not fun. You're like, look, I was having a good time, I had my nachos, I had my seventeen dollar beer, but you're just making this not fun. Um, <laughs> plus, you know, any sort of like violence or blood or right. you know fires or things. But um, but yeah, I guess I guess that's the story that immediately pops to mind. Okay, okay. Um, I think generally I hate Broncos fans because they're just like fair weather assholes that. Every season, huff their own supply of smug because they want they were good like twice every three decades, um, yeah. whatever. But also Raiders fans because I grew up in Colorado and they're goddamn insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pound for pound, according to the internet, the worst sport or the worst sports fans in America are located in the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. Oh my god! Well, okay, I, I can also see that too, which is. Very ironic, given the etymology of Philadelphia, as you already spelled out. <laughs> uh, horrible behavior that ranges from rioting and greased pole climbing and victory to mascot head theft, purpose-driven puke at public officials and their progeny, and an almost constant barrage of both insults and whatever they happen to be holding onto them at any given moment. In 2016, former Eagles quarterback Doug Peterson took the head coach job for the Philadelphia Eagles. <clears throat> He said, I'll be fine, because it couldn't possibly be as bad as when I was playing back in 1999, when the fans were throwing batteries at me. They hurled big ones, those D ones. I was spit at, beer was thrown at me, but hey, man, listen, whatever, I'm out of that now. Uh, it should be noted, though, that in 2016, the Eagles finished fourth in the NFC, so maybe you should throw a battery at Doug Peterson. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty bad. I uh, th- this is also legendary. It's a, it's a legendary set, but um, uh, one of Bill Burr's fairly fairly early stand-up routines was there was a, there was a whole group of comedians um, that were going one right after the other, and they were playing this outdoor stadium in Philly, and it was a it was a it was a comedy sh- it was a comedy show, right? And the fans were just like booing and heckling and going crazy, and so then when it's Bill's turn to get up there, he had his like set, and he just like threw it all out the window and just insulted. <laughs> the the people of Philadelphia for like twelve minutes straight. Oh, it's awesome. Um, and he, and he man, does he have some choice? Ah, oh, it's because again, it's Bill Burr. He's awesome, right? Um, I think one might be able to like still find a crappy uh, video recording on YouTube somewhere. But the video isn't important. It's the audio, right? Um, right. So yeah, Philly man, get your shit together. <laughs> uh, during the nineteen eighty four Thanksgiving game, uh, fans rained. Snowballs down on Dallas quarterback Troy Aikman and their kicker Luis Zendejas. And then the madness ensued when the entire stadium said snowball to Dana. And according to sportscaster <laughs> Vern Lindquist, I gotta tell you what a joy it is to come to Philadelphia and stand here and dodge ice balls. Not snowballs, but ice balls, about 25 of which have been thrown into the booth in the last three minutes. This is really fun. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, at the time, then, Eagle Jerome Brown begged fans to stop, and he was pelted with snowballs for his troubles. It was eventually discovered that the future Pennsylvania governor, Ed- Edward Rendell, was involved in the snowball incident, as well as a former district Ooh. attorney the former and the future mayor of Philadelphia. Batteries and snowballs are both super popular, but it stems from a tradition from a December game in 1968, when it had snowed the night before and Franklin Field was covered in snow. At kickoff, temperatures were in the low 20s, with wind gusts reaching about 30 miles per hour. The snow prevented Santa Claus that the Eagles had hired to show up at the halftime parade from actually getting to the game because flights were canceled. But Eagles said, oh, this no. is Philly, baby. We're going to play a game. So enter our hero here in the fully loaded Eagles stadium. Yeah. Uh, a 20-year-old guy named Frank Olivio was asked to, who was asked to fill in a Santa based upon the merit that he was already re- wearing a Santa Claus suit. Well, yeah, that would stand to reason. <laughs> The plan was that during halftime, Olivio would appear with a 50-piece marching band, playing Santa Claus is Coming to Town and ride a float. That float then got stuck in the mud. So Olivio walked out down the middle of the field, uh, majestically carrying a bag full of dirty laundry. As he walked out, the announcer spoke the faithful words, Here comes Santa Claus. Let's give him a rousing Philadelphia welcome. And according to multiple sources, all hell then broke loose. (laughs) Fans saw through this skinny Santa and immediately began pelting snowballs at him. So many that his fake eyebrows were knocked off his face. Olivio, being the hero that he was, waved a finger at the crowd and taunted, You're not getting anything for Christmas. (laughs) No video of this event exists, but it lives on in Philadelphia legendary. Oh, man. Oh, that's great. I just... <laughs> Wait, so uh, uh, what What year was this again? 1968. <laughs> man. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, that's... Uh... They were they were really not happy that Santa Claus was not there. <laughs> just, you're not getting anything for Christmas. Mm. You're not getting... <laughs> Um, this isn't just American football fans that are shitty, but actually football fans worldwide. Worldwide, That's right. I'm talking about soccer for our American listeners. Uh, say, Josh, did you know that soccer fans are fucking insane? I have, uh, yes, heard some real horror stories about uh, the hooligans just, again, just like before the game, walking to the stadium, during the game, in the stadium, after the game, Leaving the stadium, yeah, I've just I've I've heard and yeah, seen some <laughs> seen some videos. I haven't seen anything like personally, but um, yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, well, uh, future Mark, go ahead and cue up the We Fit music because we're about to get horned up for hooliganism in no particular order. <laughs> the Battle of Beaverwick occurred on March twenty third, nineteen ninety seven, in which several people were injured and one killed bet- when fighting erupted between fans of Ajax and FC Utrecht. In 2013, in Piao 7, Marahano, a 20-year-old referee, Otavio Jordano Silva Cantahide, ejected 31-year-old player Ozimir de Santa Aberu. Aberu refused to leave the field and a fight ensued, so Cantahide did the reasonable referee thing and stabbed Abreu multiple times, because of course it's Brazil and the soccer ref has a knife on him. <laughs> 
Abreu quickly died on the way to hospital, but was quickly avenged when his friends, family, and fans stormed the pitch, stoned Kantahide, cut off his head, and then quartered him, leaving the head on a stake in the middle of the pitch. And since this was 2013, you can watch it happen. There's a lot of video of it. I watched some. Don't look into it. It's, oh, it's kind of fucked up. They rip yeah. a man apart. Like, there's a dude, and then there's not a dude anymore. And it happens real quick. Yeah, that's... Oh, boy. Yeah, that, uh, that would do it. That would do it. Ugh. 39 people died during uh, fan violence. Violent, sorry, during fan violence in the stands of the 1985 European Cup in Brussels. That's just... 35 people died Jesus. in the stands. Like, it's, I don't know. Um, there's a persistent rivalry between fans of Krakow and Wisla in Poland, and it sees multiple people injured and a couple killed every single year through rioting. It just happens. Like, the returning of the cicadas every 17 years, <laughs> Krakow and Wisla are going to fight each other and someone's going to get hurt. And there's a terrible Bob Dylan song about it. Will me tell you about cricket? And look him in the eye and said, I'll kill Bossa, you, you son of a bitch. And then a harmonica. <laughs> Blood on the soccer pitch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Josh. You remember how this is an election year, and now more than ever in America, yeah. we seem to be divided pretty sharply by tribalism? Oh, yeah. Well, that's okay, because we're not the only country that gets really weird and political. Um, in Spain, members of the Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, Espoyol, and other clubs often have thick ties to community members of the original Franco-fascist movement. Like, the one post-World War II. That one. The one from Pan's Labyrinth. That thing still exists, and it still has people dedicated to it. On the other side, there's a communist leaning in the uh, Deportivo La Corona, Athletic Bilbao, Sevilla, and other various independent movements that have fans like in just whatever given political party, and whatever team is winning that they don't like, they will then join the other team to whoop some... It's, it's weird. The independent voters will literally act as swing hooligans during riots. <laughs> I just, man, yeah, that's that's wild. Violence will typically erupt multiple times during every game. It it just happens. Nothing you can do. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> um, and I'm pretty sure that Spain is when is where it will be at least in a few years. But God, I am so excited to like watch a proud boy gathering at the Buccaneers game, just get the shit kicked out of him by Steelers fans or something. I don't know, but <laughs> right, it, it'll yeah. happen. It's, it... <laughs> Yeah, I just, well, because it is, you know, I think we've we've sort of indirectly talked about this, um, even our sports episode. But yeah, like this idea of like sports kind of being a proxy for proper war. Like, hey, instead of us like killing each other or like bombing each other, we'll just like duke it out on like the football pitch or uh, the, the American football stadium or whatever. And I, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of merit to that kind of idea. And at the same time, well, yeah, what do you expect? This is war. If you're saying like, oh yeah, this thing's kind of like a proxy war, then yeah, pe people are probably gonna end up dying sometimes. <laughs> Getting stabbed and dismembered sometimes. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it does, it does. Um, 
Christmas Eve 1969 saw 186 alleged dissidents against President Francisco Naguma of Equatorial New Guinea executed en masse in the National Football Stadium in Malabo, while Mary Hopkins' Those Were the Days was playing on the loudspeaker. It's tenuous, but I'll get back to this. 120 people were killed in 2001 when police launched tear gas canisters to try and calm down a uh, crowd in a stadium in Ghana, which, God, that, that one's bad. I assume that's tramples because they were, like, running out of tear gas, but... Ugh. Yeah, prob probably something Ugh. like that. And finally, these are the last two. 105 people were just charged um, for being involved in a pre-match rioting in Greece, like, last year. And then in October of 22, a riot in Indonesia saw 125 people dead and 100 people injured. My point is that soccer is just for pussies. <laughs> and anybody that likes soccer is an effeminate European, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they are, um... Oh, man. Again, just things I've seen on YouTube. Um, there's a Greek soccer club team uh i think it's called Adis, as as in like aries okay um and yeah there's like i've i've, I've seen some video of, of their fans um what is, uh, it's like the supers that they call them i think that's what it is it's been a while since i've seen it mm -hmm. but yeah these dudes are like again just like chanting non-stop um like lighting flares throwing off like smoke bombs like they, they have to wait like an hour to actually start the actual soccer game you know it's like they, they show up they like do their thing they go nuts and the soccer field l looks like a like a battlefield mm -hmm. and everyone just has to like stand around and like wait for the smoke to clear i'll i'll have to try and like find a um uh find the like youtube videos i'm thinking of and, and send them away because yeah it's crazy it's crazy to see all these greek guys uh just losing their mind they're and nuts then yeah you, and then you think like Oh yeah, that's probably what like the Battle of Plataea was like, or, Thoma or Thermopylae, or um, uh, in the in the naval battle of Salamis. There's this very haunting account of like the Persian ships are sailing in, and they hear all the Athenians on the island on, and on the coast like chanting and screaming and going crazy. It's like, oh, there you go, <laughs> just like a football game, just like a soccer game. <laughs> Oh, man, that's how we deal with uh, parking. Or, like, getting back to your car. You just make a, you know, phalanx and just push through. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or even, like, um, uh, what was it? When, like, Iceland? Uh, yes, yeah, strange little Iceland has been, like, making some crazy good runs during the World Cup games. Mm -hmm. And, like, the entire nation of Iceland, like, like, turns out and, like, cheers from them. And their, like, form of chanting is they all sit on the ground... And like pantomime rowing, like they're rowing Viking longships and like chanting. Christ. It's crazy. It's crazy to see. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, those dudes were Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, whatever you got to do, I guess. Um, yeah, it's uh, anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Fanaticism makes people fanatic is the point. Like, that's why you yep. call it being yep. a fan, not, you know, enjoying a thing. You don't call right. it enjoyable riots, or I don't know. Um, <laughs> these are rough events, but I guarantee what we're about to talk about is even rougher. And it's here at the almost 30-minute mark, three pages into a script, that I can tell you that we're finally almost to our point, Ray. <laughs> but before I get to our point, I want to say a couple things, Josh, or just a couple thoughts. Number one, 
the uh, average man thinks about sex 19 times a day. Okay. Uh, he will think about concern, uh, financial concerns at least twice in a week. And if he is a good man, he will think of the Roman Empire at least daily. Yep, yep, this is true. <laughs> so, real quick, let's just cheers to the Roman Empire. Cheers, buddy. <sighs> because we're not talking about that Roman Empire. Not that glorious jewel of civilization and conquest. No, we're talking about that thing named Jewel that you brought home last night during your glorious conquest. And now we behold the thing. It's both bulky while being thin in some places. Light is leaking out of the cracks in its human suit. And there are more than likely barbarians out in that deep bush. You might say <laughs> that we know in our mind's heart that our golden age is about to shift into shitty. <laughs> the light leaking out of this human costume is something called the Byzantium... Byza the Byzantium... Byzant there we go, sorry. Something called the Byzantine Empire, which was basically Rome 2.0, and there is a ton of history that I'm going to gloss over. But all you need to know mm -hmm. is that where we're talking about tonight, starting off, or we're starting off in its prime, when it was ruled by an Ostrogothic king named Theodoric the Great. Not to be confused with his cousin and rival Theodoric the Squinter from Thrace. I think it's hilarious that he had a cousin named Theodoric the Squinter. <laughs> Uh, but Theodoric was a tribal, or was a, he was, I, he was cool. He was basically Conan the Barbarian. He was the strongest tribal chieftain among the Ostrogothic tribes. And he unified the tribes and rose to power and said, I am your now king. He is really cool. He ruled his kingdom out of uh, the city of northern, or the northern city of Ravenna in Italy. And he kept on most of the institutions that were basically the Western Roman Empire during his rule. He really wanted to do this. Um... He called himself the Gothorum Roman Rumke Rex, or the King of the Goths and the Romans. He desire he demonstrated his desire to be a leader to both people equally, and according to the uh, historian Jordanes, by means of marriage alliances, he sought to establish a central population among the barbarian states of the West. And there was no race left in the Western realms which Theodoric had not befriended or brought into subjugation during his lifetime. Theodoric was a unifier. He was a cool dude. He had built a loose awesome. con uh, he built up this loose tribal conglomeration to a pretty big empire that ended up spanning from southern France to the west or sorry, from southern France up into Serbia and then into Istanbul and Constantinople in the west. Um, the Goths yeah. took really well to living Roman style. They learned how to speak Latin, they learned how to make Roman wine, and they married into each other. Romans married goth women, goths married Roman women. But there was still kind of a separation of cultures. Uh, Romans valued education. The Ostrogoths thought that that would make you into a pussy because a man shouldn't need to talk to, you know, get what he wants. And that's why most political <laughs> positions in court were held by Romans and most military positions were occupied by Ostrogoths. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. It's also a bad idea to put one type of people in charge of your military because that usually leads to uh, isolation and ostracization from everybody else. But hey, it's all right. Because when you're a fist, you can slap people around and get your way. <laughs> <laughs> um, Theodoric was a baller. He brought peace to his land, learning increased. Um, he was a big believer in that good old-fashioned Christianity that was only a couple 400 years old by this point. He was also right. super cool and hated Rome because he said that it just didn't... He Okay, so he made a point to only go to Rome one time in his rule. 
He went there during an official tour and never again, saying that he found the city lacking his expectations. What a badass. Mm. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Just right, like, show up in... Okay, uh, what would be... I don't even know what the closest equivalent would be, like, either New York City or, like, London or... I mean, it's kind of like Donald whatever. Trump rolling into the White House and saying it's a dump, but... Yeah, yeah, or even like that, sort of right. Like, right, uh, you you roll up to the White House and you look at the Washington Monument and the Lincoln M- Memorial, and you're just like, meh, could be better. Why don't we cover it with shitty gold? <laughs> <laughs> um, times were good during his rule. And then in 526, he did what all men do, and he died. And then he did what a lot of kings do, and it doesn't make a lot of sense being, you know, a mostly patriarchal society. He didn't leave a male heir, and instead was succeeded mm. by his infant grandson, who was raised by his mother, Amala Thunsa, who ruled as his regent. Oh, okay. The lack of this heir saw the strong web that he had created of the, al- al- of the allied Visigothic state really, really weaken. Um, the Vandals went to shit just totally. They just kind of, they, they didn't want to be a part. As soon as he was, as soon as Theodoric was dead, these people didn't want anything to do with it because they lacked the king. So there's no reason to stay. So the Vandals left. The Franks got really rowdy and started pushing into Germania. And then the uh, Visigoth kingdoms, the ones that sacked Rome, they just left the empire totally. They just said, screw you. We're on our own. We don't care anymore. Um, Amala Suntha turned out to be a really bad ruler. She lacked her father's bar, bar, raw barbarian vitality and was usually at odds with her advisors and her people. And she also didn't have a penis, which was a big problem. <laughs> kind of a deal breaker. <laughs> Not to get all Barbie on this, but she needed to include more, you know, movies about horses. <laughs> You know, she was not an Ostrogoth. She was, she was, she was, to be fair, an Ostrogoth, but she wasn't because her father had raised her with one foot in the Ostrogoth world and one foot in the Roman world, and she tended to skew more towards Roman. Uh, when the time came for her son, Athalaric, uh, to go to school, she pushed for him to be sent to Rome because that's where young Roman princes received an education. But her Ostrogoth advisors said, don't do this because it will make him into a weak man. Because again, Josh... Not wanting to go to school is a super goth thing. <laughs> Wake me up. Wake me up. <laughs> <laughs> um, Amalasuntha, realizing that she needed to strengthen her and her son's grip on leadership, believed that the best way to do this was through rap. That's right, Josh. Roman ass pussy, which she happened to have, and hoped to use to entangle the heart and manly bits of the newly ascended emperor Justinian the first. Now this is a different Justinian, mm. so this things were about to get kind of weird. Not the same one, right? Um, okay. Whom history tells us was either according to uh, John Malalis as uh, living, sorry, who lived during the reign of Justinian as being short, fair skin, curly hair, round faced and handsome, or as contemporary Procopius, who I took a lot of my notes from, Pro- from Procopius tonight, compared him to having the visage of the tyrannical emperor Domiti. So I'm sure, you know, our, um, or our, uh, narrator is clearly unreliable here. Um, <laughs> she also bribed Justinian 
to giving up key bases in uh, giving up key bases in Sicilia to help with uh, his you know rebuilding of empire or the empire of Rome to its glory days, and Justinian realized that he just wasn't that endure. Um, hmm. But he did hang out in Byzantine court, and mm-hmm. he was around. Also, a player in this time was the young prostitute slash actress slash awesome woman slash playable DLC character in Sid Meier's Civilization VI, Theodora. She was born around 490 to a bear trainer working for the faction known as the Greens called Achaeus and to a nameless mother. She grew up in Constantinople and right now see me, I'm picking up my Theodora boomerang and I'm throwing it to tell you that she will come back (laughs) into the room a little bit later. So Amalasuntha looks down at her play clock and realizes that the turn is almost out and she's about 27 points short of getting into a golden age. And she Mm. starts to panic like we all do. Uh, She can't, you know, buy any more profits because religion is already set. Uh, She already built all her ships. She can't get that boost. No great people are coming to check out. So she does what her predecessors had done before her, build a bunch of entertainment districts and hope that the Bread and Circus project pans out. (laughs) And here's where I encourage our listeners to stop the podcast right here and go back and listen to our Gladiators episode that we did last, last December with Johnny. It was a good episode. And in it, we talked all about how the gladiatorial games were and chariot racing were a prime source of entertainment to the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. Well, Josh, unfortunately, the uh, woke virus had taken hold in Rome. After about 500 years of watching people murder each other, ad gladium, the games were officially banned by the Emperor Honorius in 404 Common Area. Again, if you're listening to that episode, we all know what that next logical step is going to be, right, buddy? Uh, Everybody says, all right, yeah, I guess, you know, it was fun while it lasted. Um, Time to teach myself how to read. (laughs) No! Chariot racing, you (laughs) big goofball. Oh, chariot racing. Oh, right. Of course. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, buddy. The glitz and glam of the races, uh, which saw brave charioteers racing around the ancient Roman NASCAR, driving teams of two or four horses in an attempt to be the first to make five laps. Hooray! Um, You next really talked about how, in the beginning, the early races would symbolize something religious, but this is 500 years later, and people forget why we do things. Case in point, why do you celebrate the 4th of July, Josh? Because hot dogs and fireworks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, by the 4th century, so this is also, so being religious, this also kind of worked on just, a, you know, the calendar. There was about one every month, give or take. But by the 4th century, the number of races had jumped to more than 66 a year, which was more than one a week. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, that's... That's a, that's a lot of races. That's a lot of races. Um, furthermore, these races were made free to everybody. So everybody showed up. They That's what you did because there was nothing else to do. Um, Rome, mm. once again, just quick reminder, had a thing called the Circus Maximus. 2,000 feet long by 600 feet wide. They could sit up to 250,000 people. It is said to... I think it's still the largest stadium. And I think it's the largest yeah, stadium I, in existence. Like, nobody's gotten bigger than that. I think there's one in North Korea, but I don't think it counts. Because right. they don't have 250,000 people. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it was. It was one of the um, It was one of the stops that the Mrs. Wizard and I made on our on our Italy, our Rome trip mm-hmm. um, last, last summer. And yeah, it was 
like there's nothing left of it. I mean, the, the, or there, there's very little left of it, I should say. Um, but yeah, like just like walking by the streets and you can still, you know, the, there's, there's still like the big oval kind of shape. And you just get, even just that alone, like you get a sense of scale of like, imagine this place packed with almost a quarter, a quarter million people. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. Especially 2,000 years ago, like... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Constantinople was the other big source of chariot racing. That's where you cared about what happened in Rome and Constantinople. And it had the Hippodrome, and it was a little bit smaller, but it could fit 10 teams of chariot racers into a 400-foot-wide track and hold about 60,000 people comfortably. Yeah, that's wild. I... The population of Alamosa is less than eight. It's, I'm just... <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> what do you do with that? Chariot racing was the Roman Empire of the of the Byzantine Empire, by which I mean everybody thought about it all the time, always, at least once a day. When the next race was, who had won the last race? Um, if they had smartphones, they probably would have been, you know, using FanDuel to supplement their income, watching their empire facing its downfall, and just happily clicking <laughs> along, smiling at Kevin Hart's silly little face. <laughs> I don't have to tell you though We're gonna let Amianus Marcellinus Josh what did he say about the uh, Races He had to say Their temple dwelling meeting place In fact the center of all their hopes and desires Is the Circus Maximus They swear that the country will go to the dogs If in some coming race The driver they fancy fails to take a lead from the start Or makes too wide a turn round the post With his unlucky team Such is the general decay of manners that on the longed-for day of the races they rush headlong to the course before the first glimmering of dawn, as if they would outstrip the competing teams, most of them having passed a sleepless night distracted by their conflicting hopes about the result. We're horned up for chariot races. (laughs) We are horned up for chariot. Right, their temple-dwelling meeting place, the, the font of their hopes and dreams, yeah. It's, which uh, I believe I mentioned on our sports episode, um, that is very much the same vibe going to a football game at Ohio Stadium, a.k.a. the shoe. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, uh, games are played on Saturdays. Um, On Thursday afternoons, you're allowed to start setting up your tailgate, like canopy and stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's like... There's still a, a, a full day of class on Friday, and people are already, like, claiming their, their, their uh, spaces there. Good lord. Um, yeah, it's, it's, so again, it's, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Um, and yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing that, like, that is something that we kind of share in common with, um, yeah, these people, again, nearly 2,000 years ago. It's, yeah, it's crazy to me. Just... Yeah. Or just that bit, uh, most having passed a sleepless night, distracted by their conflicting hopes about the result. I, 2,000 yeah. years ago, man, people were worried about the Packers game. You know what I mean? Like, so Oh, speak. yeah. No, yeah. Oh, God. Could you imagine, like, just the glut of sports podcasts on, uh, <laughs> on chariot racing? Oh, my God. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, well... Marcus here, you know, his his team's got a new axle that <laughs> they're going to install. And uh, Quintus over there, you know, he's he's finally gotten over that horse bite. So he'll be happy to get back in the ring, <laughs> holding the reins again. Bite. 
Oh, the equivalent of Aaron Rodgers, the pa- the chariot racer, who <laughs> gets <laughs> whose arms rip out of his sockets as soon as he like steps into his chariot, like wraps up in it, his arms just like fly out of the sockets, but he still gets paid. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, what would the e- e- equivalent of a hail mary be in chariot racing? As you, I don't know, try to like. Um, Tuscany drift across the like turning post or something. Like that. Tuscany drift. Tuscany drift. There's an e-brake on the chariots. You can totally pull it. Yeah. It goes to the horses. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh shit. Oh, oh my god, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then, they could still make the Fast and Furious franchise and use the same numbering system. Fast and Furious <laughs> 1, Fast and Furious V, Fast and Furious X, yeah, every, it's a winner. <laughs> and it's all about oh, yeah, family, still. Yeah, still, yeah, it's still all about, uh, well, so yeah, and I'm, I'm embarking on my uh, Latin learning, and so, yeah, like, f- fast is what would be, like, Sidus, I think. Okay. Sidus et Furiosa or something like yeah. that. Sidus et Furious. Ferox. Fero- yeah. <laughs> something like that. Oh, uh, look, there's Wind Diesel. Because <laughs> they don't say the V's. Because you're right. Yeah, it's a. <laughs> All right, buddy. I, I need to take a drink. That was pretty good. <laughs> Tuscan drift. Tuscan drift. Uh, okay. Anyway, so all right. So, anyway. Chariot races huge, very popular. Um, yes, very popular. Um. So within chariot racing, there are four factions who would sponsor teams. They just kind of formed, right? We don't really know the originals and why they formed the way they did. But there were four original teams, the red, white, green, and blue. Don't really know, but loosely, so we know for sure, like, red was Mars, white was for uh, Zephyrus, the winds, uh, green was for Gaia, the earth, and then blue was for Neptune in the ocean. But we don't know why they picked those colors or the representatives or why people allied with the teams in the beginning, right? In the beginning, people just went to... it. Honestly, it seems like, what color do you like? Oh, I like the color green. I'm going to go to this color. That's how it started, right? We do know, though, that they hated a rival team. Didn't matter who you were. If you weren't on your team, oh, fuck you, buddy. (laughs) Uh, Fighting in the stands between the factions was pretty common, but it was viewed by most Romans and... uh, It was viewed by most citizens as being like... Kind of asinine and extreme. You just, it wasn't really, it was like the dude who gets, it's Bat Dad. Nobody right. likes Bat Dad. It's just Bat Dad that likes Bat Dad and the one dude that engages Bat mm-hmm. Dad. And that dude who engages is also the dude who loses to Bat right. Dad. Even if he beats mm-hmm. him, he right, still yeah. loses to Bat Dad, yeah. right? <laughs> the only winning move is not to play. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, but then around 491, shit just wasn't... It was different. Once again, 491 was like, not getting bad, but we're still happy, but something happened. Something was getting bad, and people were getting more violent. Then in 501, 3,000 blues were murdered in a post-game ambush riot put on by the Greens. Mm. 
3,000 people were killed in a riot, Josh. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I... <laughs> it's fucking insane. Um, this rioting continued, but it was again, it wasn't terrible. Um, in five oh seven and five fifteen, there were some pretty bad bouts of it, but not not as many people died. It just it happened. Like something, you know, it it just boiled over. People boil over just every now and then. I don't know. Maybe it was too hot or some shit. I don't. I don't know. Um. This was a typical but depressing part of reality, and standard procedure was to find the one or as many people responsible for it and publicly hang them as a deterrent, which, okay, sure, that's, that would stop me from starting a riot. Yeah, sure. By the year 518, the factions had distilled down into just the greens who absorbed the whites and the blues who had absorbed the reds. So these are the two primary factions, and nothing is like it used to be. Where they used to be just like, I like this color. Now it was the greens represented this type of religion. The blues represented this type. The blues tended to represent the upper crust while the greens were like the lower Uh class. The greens were the yes, good buddy. We are the 99%. We are the green. Um, It's a ton. It's a ton of shit. Like um, religion brought up, was brought into it. Like, so all the, all the greens were accused of being secret Jews. Like (laughs) that's That's shit like this, right? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> um, also in 518, the current emperor Anastasios died, and he didn't leave an heir. There was a guy named Justin, though, who was a military commander and also in charge of the palace guard, and he straight up just seized power in 520. And then he crowned his nephew Justinian II, not the first Justinian, this is a different Justinian, okay. uh, to be co emperor. He was a young man, he was like 30. Uh, in 527, and then in 528, when Justin died, Justinian was named his successor and ascended to the throne. Now, this super pissed off the nephew of Anastasios, the last emperor, a guy named Hypatia, who said that he was the one who, you know, was supposed to be in charge because his uncle was the emperor. Oh. He was also more strongly backed by, he was more popular with the blue faction than Justinian was. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. And now we need to open up the window because the Theodora ring is going to fly back in. And haha, I threw that shit in the last recording. <laughs> Around 520, Justinian married that badass boss bitch Theodora. And it was kind of weird because you might remember that I said that she was a prostitute slash actress. Uh, Josh, I don't need to tell you, but maybe you can remind our listeners. Actress, or actors and actresses in the Roman Empire... Yeah. Didn't really account for shit. No, did they? no, no. They were, uh, they were, yeah, very. They, they were held in extremely low regard, often, yeah, exactly as prostitutes. Um, so, yeah, it may seem kind of surprising uh, for us because, right, we typically have this celebrity culture where we elevate our actors. I mean, hey, speaking about Barbie, just like see how like. People are flipping out on Twitter that uh, Margot Robbie didn't get nominated uh, for leading actress. Um, like people go crazy. Uh, whereas, yeah, in the Roman and even and, and even yeah, like late antiquity, post antiquity, um, yeah, just did not just did not care for actors at all. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 weird. I don't know. It's a uh, I don't I remember. I remember way back in the day, in like intro to theater, the teacher going, "Did did you know that the term prostitute comes from the Roman doorway, the prostitute?" 
which they were called the prostituta because they stood there. Okay. <laughs> I just... Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sweet little John Taylor. Sorry, I had a flashback oh, yeah, there. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, she was born, like I said before, to a bear tamer on the Green Faction, but when he died... Uh, her mom remarried another bear tamer and asked the Greens to appoint him as their, like, official bear tamer. Now, mind you, these people were very high up in Roman society, right? Mm. Um, they were a big deal within the Green faction, and the Greens basically said, we don't know this new guy, and we don't owe you shit, so fuck off. Uh, so she got really mad, and then the Blues went, hey, man, you can come hang out with us. It's all right. So instantly her mother and uh, daughters joined the Blue faction. Mm. She became an actress as soon as possible alongside her sister, and according to Procopius, was known for her especially perf pornographic performances on stage, one of which she recreated Lita and the Swan. So, yeah, maybe she was a fucking hooker. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe it was somebody trying to discredit her afterwards. It, it gets, man, it gets super, super tricky, you know, trying to like... Well, again, Procopius seems to be a real dickhead to her. Right. Like... He's the only, he, he's the biggest one that says, oh yeah, Theodora was a, was just a raging <laughs> whore, but <laughs> um, either way, it didn't matter. The Justinian declaring a marriage to an actress was problematic and just not something that you could right. do. His own aunt got mad at him and said, don't do this. And that was ironic because she was also an ex-actress that his uncle had been to whatever. It doesn't matter, you know, mm. do as I say, not as I do um justinian said wait a minute you guys did you realize that i'm the fucking emperor so he passed a law that said any repentant actress could marry if she chose <laughs> which society saw as an overreach of power and justinian said oh yeah i'll show you a fucking overreach and he launched a new campaign of conquest and rebuilding which he paid for by taxing the fuck out of the people who were already pretty severely taxed thanks to the help of Justinian's homie John of Cappadocia who was a tax collector that found tons of, mo of extra money just going around to tax collectors and saying I know you're keeping a cut for yourself you better fucking pay me but he was also a genius who found more ways to just you know really stick it to the poor folks while still funding Justinian's conquest and almost unending lap of or unending loop of circuses and entertainment but this is what you did justinian was a roman this is how he was raised like he thought he wasn't doing anything wrong he thought this is what you did the the glorious aspect of caesar to guide and give us an example no longer shines josh you know it's <laughs> meanwhile back at the hippodrome it's not just the poor folks that get swept up into chariot race madness because, of course, politicians were going to endorse factions. And yes, Josh, of course, it's always going to be a fucking issue, no matter what they pick. Yeah. Like the time that Justinian directed one of his envoys to Constantinople, an envoy, to sit in the blue section. The envoy was booed by the Greens, and this envoy then jumped up and replied, and the envoy then jumped up and started calling them Jews, Samaritans, and blasphemers. It's great. We're yeah, just, just, just great. We're still just, the same, yeah. man. Like, <laughs> at, at, it's also, at, at this point, I would almost take that, uh, that group of like drunk assholes um, at Mile High Stadium over. <laughs> yeah. Like, I would much rather take, fuck them up, fuck them up, go green team. I would much rather take that than <laughs> some of this other stuff going on. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, eventually, it came time for Justinian to come out and actually back a faction, because that's what you did as emperor. And he decided that he would learn from his mistake, and he decided not to choose, and decided to not back a team. Mm. Because he knew that picking one side would make the other side mad, but he also realized, hey, hang, hang on a second. I'm the emperor. I'm literally the word of God made flesh. Right, right. I can do whatever the fuck I want to do. I don't need to put up with little chariot shenanigans, right? Because I wouldn't either. How much is beneath you when you are literally God walking on earth, you know? Like, yeah, yeah it's like, oh, who's going to say no yeah. to me? Wait a sec. I'm in charge. <laughs> you are lucky I put pants on to address these envoys from Persia. Right. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> Pulling a Linda Johnson here. Mm-hmm. Um, Really, in all or so in all reality, Justinian not picking a faction was the worst thing that he could have done. Mm. Because number one, he turned his back on the Blues, who he had previously sort of default backed because he was a rich dude. That's what rich dudes did was back the Blue. So this led the Blues to feel betrayed and made the Blues in his court talk even more shit about how Justinian's ascension was fake news. Um, meanwhile, Josh, our countdown clock is still counting down to the end of an mm. age. On January 10th, 532, a batch of rioters was set to be hanged for starting riots back in December. Um, Two of these men survived this execution. One was a green and one was a blue. These men were quickly taken to a monastery for protection until they could figure out what was to be done with them. Races were going to be held later in the, the day, so both factions decided, hey, now is a great time to talk to the Emperor about these. He loves these races. He's always here, even if he's an asshole who refuses to back his side. Cool. Um, so that day, the Hippodrome was filled with 100,000 people who petitioned this, that, mind you, 100,000 people, 40,000 people more than it's designed 60,000 yeah. people. The Hippodrome is open for business. They they petitioned Justinian for the men to be released because they believed that God had spared the men. They were supposed to be hung. These two dudes lived. Um, and because, you know, both sides had a guy, neither side was going to get mad. Justinian once again made the worst choice possible and didn't answer him or answer the sides. So the sides started getting upset and screaming about what a bitch Justinian was, how shitty of an emperor he was, and how they'd all seen Melania, I mean Theodora's titties. <laughs> Justinian said, fuck this, you don't get games if you're going to act this way, and noped out, but then waited three days until the masses had hopefully calmed down to rehold them. Um, this is viewed by some historians as him just being, like, way too optimistic in his ability as ruler to, like, keep his people happy. Mm. Uh, a lot of, I, I read a couple of papers saying how, like, what a dumb move it was for him to even reschedule the games. He should have just cut them. And we're about to find out why. Mm. Uh, three days later, when the games were held again, the factions once again petitioned Justinian for their men to be released. And once again, Justinian just said, I'm sorry, plebeians say what? And then both parties collectively said, fuck it. And they began to shout Nika, which is Greek for what, Josh? Victory? Or like, I win? Victory. Yeah. Conquest. I win. Um, this comes from Procopius's secret account, if you would be so kind. Of course. Seeing that they proposed together how they might be able most easily and most quickly to destroy all races of men and their works, and, assuming human form and becoming man-demons, 
They har harassed in this fashion the whole world. <laughs> Boy, didn't they just. Oh, man. The Hippodrome was lit on fire. The entire Hippodrome with 100,000 people was lit on fire. The mob quickly emptied out into the streets of Constantinople. It spread to the Praetorion, which was like the combination police headquarters and jail. Uh, prisoners were freed, and then the Praetorion was burnt to the ground. Uh, the rioters then made their way through the city, attacking the wealthy quarters. They burnt, they looted, they did whatever you do when you're poor and you just can't be taken anymore. Uh, they looted and burnt down the baths of, of Zucopos, the Chalk, and they even burnt down Justinian's pet project, a little thing you might know as the Hagia Sophia. Ah, see, okay, so like, right, there's all this talk about like, oh, bread and circuses, bread and circuses. Well, yeah, they, but those kind of have, they have a time and a place, <laughs> you know, like what happens, yes. what happens when you're playing Civ Six and you don't have enough amenities uh, to support your city's population? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah. Your main city doesn't grow quick enough to launch your space projects, and you win by a culture of Shaka Zulu. That's yep. what happens. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, the mob made its way to the palace. They totally destroyed and burnt down the main palace gate, and was finally then checked by the city guard, or a combination of the city guard and soldiers under the general Belisarius. Um, Belisarius, by all accounts, was a badass who was good at only whooping ass. Um, and he was also a super good friend of Justinian, and Justinian would wield him as a sword in his later, like, reconquest for mm. Rome. He was a... They stopped the mob and just kind of beat it back, and most of them, or some of them went home, but a bulk of them went back to the Hippodrome. And they just kind of camped up there, and for a few days, they stayed there. Mm. Over the next couple days, the mob wasn't quite done. It would spring up again, loot more shit, burn more shit, go back to the Hippodrome at night, until that became like the base of operations. In an attempt to make the mob happy, Justinian appeared on the Hippodrome on January 18th and started making quick promises about cutting taxes and firing his unpopular appointees, which included John of Cappadocia, the tax man. Uh, the mob was unimpressed by this, and shit got all January 6th, when Hypatios entrance music started playing over the Hippodrome's loudspeakers, and Hypatius walked into the Hippodrome backed by his own group of loyalists and ascended to the Emperor's box and said, it's my turn, fucker, and unseated Justinian, despite having no real claim in being a shit military leader. Uh, by this point, the, it's pretty clear to history that this, that this coup had been planned for a long time. They were just waiting for their shot, and this was when Hypatia took his shot. Oh, uh, gotcha. Okay, okay. Justinian ran back to the palace and realized, huh, I might have fucked up here. And then he turned to his hot ex-playboy ex bunny wife they adore and said, it's time to go back to Rome, sweetie. And she legendarily rebuked him as a coward, saying that purple is as fine of shroud as any and that no emperor should ever see be seen to turn fugitive. And I'm just like, that's how you fucking get a civ leader position. Yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Theodore is such a badass yes, man. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she was ready to take up arms in the name of the blues and go down into the riot and just start kicking some ass in the name of the empire. 
Um, ass would be kicked that day, though, because Belisarius said, Hey, dog, I'm still here. And under orders of Justinian, he marched his legion into the Hippodrome, where the, riot- where the rioters were holding up and using as a base. Uh, Belisario barricaded the exits and brought the glory of the empire down upon her cities- citizens. According to Procopius, He drew his sword from its sheath, and, commanding the others to do likewise, with a shout he advanced upon them at a run. But the populace, who were standing in a mass and not in order, at the sight of armored soldiers who had a great reputation for bravery and experience in war, and seeing that they had struck out with their swords unsparingly, beat a hasty retreat. Then indeed from both sides the partisans of Hypatius were assailed with might and main and destroyed. There perished among the populace on that day more than 30,000. The soldiers killed both Hypatius and Pompeius on the following day and threw bodies into the sea. This was the end of the insurrection in Byzantium. <laughs> bomb, bomb, bomb. <laughs> so just, just imagine like, so I know we were kind of like talking about like, you know, there hasn't been a riot at a, in America, like at a sporting event, like, right? Like it hasn't been a political right, right. riot. This is the equivalent of Joe Biden marching the National Guard into, like, Lambeau Field and just gunning people down. Right. It would be like, yeah, so, like, during the Super Bowl that the Washington, what are they now, the Generals? Is that what they changed their name to? Sure. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, so at the Washington Generals Stadium, there's the Super Bowl, and people are pissed because... Joe Biden wouldn't say which team he wanted to win. So the game ends and then everybody pulls a January 6th and then the National Guard comes in and... <laughs> yeah. But, oh my God. Yeah, that's crazy. And then, and then um, 30,000 people are dead and uh, the two ringleaders uh, are just thrown into the water there. It's a lot of guys. That's so crazy, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> Estimates go as high as uh, 35,000. That's crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's... It's nuts. It, um, <laughs> You know, this... But I don't know. This is the... Because I'm not saying abusive parents are good, but this is also the... I told you kids to stop fucking around in the back seat. It's like, true, yeah. It's, um... You know? Yeah. You you were acting a fool in Safeway. Well, you're getting the belt. Um, Byzantium got the they belt, did. Josh. <laughs> Boy, did they, yeah. Thirty, it's maybe thirty, just thirty thousand people. Like even at the low end, that's how many we know for sure died because of this. Um, the races would not be held again for another five years. <sighs> that's so crazy. Uh, Justinian continued to rule. Now he ruled with a markedly harder grip on the people. He had shown unequivocally that he had both the ability and was willing to straight up massacre his own people to maintain order. Um, He also turned the chaos post-riots into rebuilding huge chunks of the city that had kind of fallen into disrepair. Like, really... Props to the guy for, you know, making an opportunity out of the chaos that he created on his own. But he did. He, you know, rebuilt Byzantium. He rebuilt the Hagia Sophia. It is now a wonder yep. in Sid Meier's Civilization VI. I don't build it because it sucks. <laughs> but um, things were 
getting back to kind of okay until 536 when the volcano Krakatoa erupted and basically destroyed the world a little bit. It disrupted Roman harvests, uh, stopped empires worldwide, completely wiped out the entire Java empire. It made times bad. Times got real bad. And then times got even worse in 541 when Justinian's plague erupted into Constantinople. Uh, we already talked about this way back in our... Um, what was it? Our, uh, horrible ways to die in the ancient world. But I think about this time and these people, you know, now laying in the streets, dying in mass, and it didn't matter. Rich, rich or poor, blue or green, you know, monophysite or not, it didn't matter anymore. But I can almost guarantee they thought, God, I would just give anything to go back to 534. Yeah. <laughs> 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 ah, the Nico riots, buddy. The, 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 the worst riots. sporting riot in ever. And I dare say, uh, I, I, as one wizard to another, I reckon I cast my crystal ball too close this time. Yeah, I mean, it's... It is. It's so... Hitting too close to home. Well, but, but it is, man. It's, 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 it's amazing, like I said, you know, it, it's amazing how a, a lot of those same impulses or instincts are still there, um, but they're just, yeah, like moderated or limited or um i i I just again it's like i can kind of say like ah what you know like what a nice well i don't know if it's nice but it's like almost like reassuring like oh yeah when i see these morons you know uh acting the fools or, or yeah when people win the super bowl and they like destroy their city like that's Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's also just just stupid. Um, but uh... does it make you feel better that we've been this dumb this entire? Like, we've always been this bad. We'll probably always be this bad until we I, yeah, I think find I like the means that. to kill, like to end it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like until we blow ourselves up. Like we will continue to be this. Yeah, bad. we'll and and so that's and good. I like that that. Framing slash phrasing that we have always been this bad, and in many, in some ways, like yes, things are better. Um, I just had to. I, I don't know if this was on your radar at all. I just had to satisfy my own curiosity. Um, granted, this list is a little dated. It's almost ten years ago. This is uh, 2015. Uh, the top 15 deadliest sports riots of all time, according to thesportster.com. 15, Detroit, Michigan, uh, Detroit Tigers World Series riot in 1984, one killed. Number 12, Detroit, Michigan, 1990, Pistons riot, eight killed. (laughs) Detroit, uh, a couple years before the Bulls fans revelry turned into terrible violence, Detroit Pistons fans did exactly the same thing. It started out as people partying in the streets, but quickly turned into a night of robberies, looting, violence, and destruction. In the mayhem, eight people were killed, one fell off a roof... One was shot in a parking lot, and six were killed by hit-and-run incidents. <laughs> oh, God. Jesus Christ. Uh, number- oh, one person got shot in uh, Denver this year at the uh, Nuggets victory. Oh, there you go. There you go, man. Yeah. Uh, number 11, Harare, Zimbabwe, 2000. World Cup qualifying, 12 killed. In a game, in a game okay. against South Africa leading up to the World Cup, fans became enraged and threw rocks at the pitch after the South Africans sort of scored a goal to go up by two. It was minute 84 and the game was clearly out of touch. Before the fans could get two out of hand, police fired tear gas. 
This caused a stampede that would leave 12 people dead. <laughs> so, Jesus. That's definitely like um, the cure being worse than the disease. Like, all right, let's shoot some tear gas off to calm these people down. But then who knows? Maybe I don't know. Maybe there was worse. I don't know. Uh, m- maybe there would have been more. But hey, tear gas, 12 people stampeded. Uh, number 10, Butembo, the Democratic Republic of Congo, uh, 2008 witchcraft riots, 13 killed. Oh God. Jesus Christ. While witch hunts are often used in North American political discussions to refer to mislabeling some groups as threats, an accusation of witchcraft started a riot that got 13 people killed in the Democratic Republic of Congo back in 2008. Why is this under sports riots? Well, did they do it in a stadium? Like uh, that dude, uh, what's his name? Oh, the the African guy in New Guinea. Uh, maybe. Or Equatorial Guinea. There was an accusation that a player was using a form of witchcraft to sway the events of uh, some some game. I'm guessing maybe soccer. And players on the field started to brawl and fans joined in. The police contingent at the match fired into the crowd. They later claimed they'd fired into the air. Uh and yes, a stampede killed thirteen. So, he... so okay, okay, so okay, a player's using witchcraft to be better, mm-hmm. right? By that logic, do we light every single player on fire in America that says that you know I got to give it up to God? Because like, <laughs> clearly, you used witchcraft to make God like you more than the other guy who was going to yeah. give it up to God if he won. I, I guess hmm. I don't know. I don't <laughs> Uh, number nine, uh, Kinshasa, also from the Democratic Republic of Congo, 2014, uh, ASV riot, 15 killed, um, uh, football, soccer, uh, ASV club, and, uh, Tupuisant Mazembe were the teams that faced off that day, and ASV fans, whose team was on the losing side, began to chuck stones onto the pitch. Again, police fired tear gas into the crowds, and when fans tried to push, uh, tried to rush to escape the gas... Part of the stands collapsed, causing the death of 15 people. Holy shit. Uh, number eight, Cairo, Egypt, 2015, riding in February, 25 killed. Yep, another soccer game. The cause of the riots are still somewhat unclear, and fans claimed police fired upon them with tear gas and shotguns, while police claimed that the fans started everything, throwing rocks and assaulting officers, while, uh, while at least 25 people passed, passed away in, I guess, various forms. Um, number six, uh, Kayseri, Turkey, 1967, the Ataturk Stadium disaster, 40 killed. Um, in a match between clubs, uh, Kayserispor, or Kayserispor, and, uh, Sivaspor. Around halftime, the game was close, and there was a heated scuffle between groups of fans. These turned deadly when some of these hooligans started attacking each other with knives and clubs prompting a mass charge to leave the stadium, 40 people were caught in the stampede and killed. Uh, Here we go, top five. Orkney, South Africa, 1991, Oppenheimer Stadium disaster, 42 killed. Uh, This is the second worst riot or disaster in the history of South African sports. Uh, and while the Ellis Park disaster claimed one more life, it was a nonviolent stampede. Back in 1991, in the city of Orkney, during a preseason match between Orlando Pirates FC and Kaiser Chiefs, a questionable call by an official caused Pirates fans to start attacking Chiefs fans. Supporters of both sides tried to flee, and in the mayhem, 42 were killed, mostly due to trampling. See, again, like, but, but so even, 
the trampling is what exactly. gets you. Exactly. Then that's precisely what I was going to say. Like as these are getting worse and worse, it's different than like the emperor calling his guard in um, with swords drawn and killing 30,000 people. But it's still horrible. It's still horrible. <laughs> um, number four, Port Said, Egypt, 2012. The Port Said riots, 74 people killed now. February 2012, after a game between Egypt, Egyptian clubs uh, Al-Masri and Al-Ali, uh, fans of the losing side, uh, Al-Ali, uh, stormed the field, attacking players, officials, and, and opposition fans alike. Weapons ranged from rocks and knives to bottles and fireworks. When all was said and done, over 70 people were killed and hundreds more were injured. Jesus. Uh, several of these rioters were put on trial and sentenced to, to death for their roles in the riot. There was a smaller uprising that took place in the wake of this decision. As many saw the sentence as a politically motivated move as opposed to a fair trial, over 20 people were killed in the following riots, in the follow-up. <laughs> but, but Josh, people don't riot at sporting events over political motivations. <laughs> ne- That's never. silly. What? God. All right. Tw- what did, 20 people? God, 20 yeah. people. What is that? So it's 90 people mm-hmm. died. Plus, however many were gonna get killed, yeah. like for doing it in the first. All Jesus. right, here we are in our top three: uh, Accra, Ghana, twenty twenty one, the Accra Stadium, one hundred twenty three killed. Two of Ghana's most popular teams were facing off in early May two thousand one. Accra Hearts of Oak and Asante Kotoko. Kotoko lost the game due to two late goals scored by Hearts of Oak, and fans started brawling and pelting the field with debris. Police started to rough up some of the unruly riders and fired what was considered an excess of tear gas into the crowd. Panic ensued, and in a mad dash by thousands to escape the stadium, many were trampled and died. Uh, hundreds more were injured. Several police were charged with manslaughter due to their use of tear gas, but none were convicted. Uh, as the judge claimed, the prosecution had no case. Number two, Lima, Peru, 1967, Estadio Nacional. 320 killed. The deadliest of all soccer riots occurred May 1964 during a match between Peru and Argentina. Peru was down by one heading into the final minutes when a goal that would have tied it up was disallowed, inciting fans to storm the field in a fit of rage. Police fired tear gas into the air, causing panic, and hundreds of fans who tried to flee were crushed on their way out of the stadium as the gates to the exits were closed. They locked him in. Holy cow. This is an, oh man, God. And then number one, of course, Constantinople, AD 532, <laughs> the Nika riots. Damn, Damn right. Damn right. Holy cow. Oh my yeah, God. That's crazy, man. So again, I'm always a fan of like, you know, like we were talking about, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Hey, what's, you know, the sort of, what's a basis for comparison for us living in um yeah the the 20th and then 21st century and so yeah if the worst of them is like an order of magnitude less is an order of magnitude smaller if it was quote unquote only mm-hmm. 320 which is still horrible don't get me wrong um compare that to the nika riots where it was yeah 10 times that amount boy howdy yeah i yeah i just you never know you just never know Oh man, Mark. Yeah, I. So yeah, man. Uh, we got the Super Bowl coming up, and in this very polarized, contentious time that we're living in, uh, I don't. 
have do we even know who's playing in the Super Bowl at this point? I I honestly don't. Uh, not yet. This will drop the that the week of on the seventh, but right now it's still between. There's still two teams that got to go. I think. Okay, or maybe is it? Or there's two more games that need to be played. Is what I mean to say. Okay. All right. Yeah. I I guess. Yeah, like Lions are playing the 49ers right now. It's uh twenty-four to ten in the third. Okay. So. Okay. Okay. Go Lions. Well, I guess. Lions, I, guess. I, I mean, man, you want to talk about like turning it around because the Detroit Lions were like the joke team, at least from what I remember when I was still. Paying attention to football. Oh yeah, for yeah, years. years. But uh, well, and and hey, those are the Blues, uh, and uh, and Detroit or the 49ers or the Reds, I guess. Yeah, so. I guess. Oh man, yeah. It's again. It that's what that's why the Packers didn't get in because it would have been the Greens see, and the Blues, all, and then we would have had the had a the Lambo yeah. riots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh man! So I guess Mark, that's something that we can that, that that we can be grateful for because as you and I both have been kind of like dabbling, dipping our toe into the sports kind of thing, um, we we are still grateful. We are still grateful that we haven't been a part of any giant uh, catastrophic loss of human life, um, and we just I don't know, just like get bummed out the next week when our team doesn't do doesn't do well. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well so listeners what did you think about this i mean we typically when we've talked about ancient greece and rome we we tend to air more in like you know the the uh before common era times but hey we we like we're kind of pushing it a little bit getting into yeah like post antiquity the byzantine empire uh is that something that you found kind of interesting because like i know somewhat about that but it's certainly not my area of, of expertise would you want us to like follow up more about that stuff like yeah talk about all these uh, uh, uh gothic invaders that came in and took over rome um with their uh uh pouty black lipstick and their lace stockings and we'll say no dear listeners not those type of goths we also like them but that's a different type of goth we can talk about those two if you want uh but but let us know what did you think about this episode uh, have you been in any sort of like harrowing sports environments and you want to want to share that information? Well, hey, there's a couple ways you can do that. Send an email to twowizardspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, find us on Twitter at twowizardspodc1. We're also over on Blue Sky under the High Hammock Radio banner. Uh, we're active on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to check out uh, more about us individually, well, hey, I'm on Twitter. You can find me at plaidbarbarian. Um, uh, Mark, what other things do we have going on that might intrigue our listeners, new and old? Oh, the other things we have that might tickle their fancy that might cause them to join one faction called the Blues. That's the Dangle Podcast. <laughs> it's a weekly retrospective rewatch of King of the Hill, where me and our buddy Johnny take two episodes and discuss and discuss them. I think we're almost done with that when this one drops. Mm, yeah. No, not quite. Yet, well, so when this one drops, it'll still be one. We have the last week of Dangle Podcast. Wow, that's depressing. Um, don't worry, though, because if you don't want to support King of the Hill, maybe you don't like that. Maybe you are 
violently opposed to propane and propane accessories, well, you can come on over to the dang or to the wow, you can come on over to the I can't wait to show my kids podcast, a cinematic review show where me and our buddy Brad and sometimes you Josh and sometimes our buddy Johnny, well, we fill in gaps in our cinematic knowledge by showing the other one movies that we loved, and then we talk about them and then we discuss when do I show this thing to my kids? Uh, we are rounding out a John Carpenter mini season. Had a lot of fun there. Um, Johnny was just on for um, the last episode in that. We watched uh, Dark Star. Oh, nice. And he got up at 6 in the morning, German time, and drank a bunch of beer and talked about Dark Star. So that was a lot of fun. Um, you can find me at Marky Stardust on Twitter. I am trying to be a positive, shining light in the snake pit that is this. And yeah, I don't know. This little light of mine, I'm probably going to just delete the account either way um let us know what you think thank you for being here thank you for making us a part of your day josh thank you for being here and uh yeah don't party too hardy this sunday you guys because well either you're gonna get arrested or you know worse right right you'll be that dude that like gets shown getting tased on tv and nobody likes that dude because you're the biggest asshole in a sea of assholes <laughs> right exactly exactly it's because yeah and we want you to come back and enjoy future episodes of the Two Wizards podcast. So thank you, everybody. Take care. Happy watching if you're Super Bowling. My name is Josh, and I'm a wizard. And my name is Mark, and I'm a wizard. Thank you for listening. We love you all, everyone. Take care. Good night. <laughs> he rolled upon his back, and after that, I killed them all! Ah!